0: We do uh, lots of recordings. All right, so we've all heard of the tabernacle. Hopefully, you know, you're not in your head saying, oh, no, not the tabernacle again. But um, it's uh, the tabernacle is often not. Uh, okay, a lot of times when we study the tabernacle, you know, we talk about the lampstands and, and the Ark of the Covenant and the incense burners, and we just kind of talk about the stuff. But a lot of times, uh, at least for me, when I'm listening to to folks talk about it, they're not really talking about like the big picture, like why are we why are we doing this thing. I mean, this is the tabernacle here. This is what we're going to talk about. Um, so what I what I wanted to do whenever Steve asked me to talk about the tabernacle, I thought I want to t- I want to present it differently. Kind of more in context with why we even have it. Why did God even do this thing? It's kind of a weird thing when you look at it on the service. So, some disclaimers. I obviously don't know everything about the tabernacle. You know, I'm just a Bible student like all you guys are. You know, we're all learning this together. Um... So if you've heard things or are curious about things, you know, don't be afraid to just ask or tell me you've heard this or that. You know, that's, that's no big deal. I've got to hurt my feelings. And also, whenever you teach a subject like this or, or present a subject like this, you need, you, we've got such different levels of experience in this room. You know, we've got Bible students been through D1, D2, heard a lot of this doctrine before. Then you may have some new younger Christians that just got saved that really haven't heard any of this, and it's always a challenge to, to give some, some meat or milk to all those audiences. So that's what I, I hope we do here today. I me move my tabernacle. Yeah, yeah, I can move all that. I just do it there. Yeah, put it around here. Perfect. So here. That's perfect. That's fine. Yeah, we got my little altar here. Actually, yeah, I'll leave it there. All right. Uh, let's see if that's all my disclaimers before I get started. You got enough room there, Brian? I can like move all that. No problem. am okay. Perfect. All right. Uh, new believers. Okay, yeah, this is something else I was going to mention. Um, Whenever I got saved, you know, I think I've told you guys before. I was in college, I was going through college, and my first job out of college—I'd uh, only been saved a few months—I worked in a data center. I was a data center operator, um, and I basically had nothing to do but put out fires. So I just read my Bible all the time. I mean, I was a new believer, and I really remember reading. You know, everybody wants to start in Genesis. So whenever you start reading your Bible in Genesis, it's, it's pretty cool. You know, Genesis is a fun book, you know, Abraham and the children of Israel and all their hijinks. And then you get into Exodus and it picks it up with they're in Egypt and they're slaves and, you know, Moses, let my people go and that's all fun. And then they get out of Egypt. And then you get to like Exodus 24, 25 when he starts in on the tabernacle. And it's like, it's like, whoa, (laughs) it is not fun anymore. Because now you're talking about hooks and ouches and tenons and you're talking about all this stuff you know he's describing a house so just imagine your house if you were going to write out a description of your house <laughs> you got a wall you got a two before facing this and yeah. it would be very confusing to somebody reading it and that's kind of what the tabernacle is so um, over the next couple of weeks we're going to kind of debone that and I'm going to show you what a lot of those terms mean and I have all kinds of pictures and stuff so that's kind of the disclaimer so um, Tabernacle, it's a thing of legend. I mean, it's in a lot of movies. You know, it's a good movie. The people are, the world is fascinated with the Ark of the Covenant. So the Tabernacle is the Ark of the Covenant? No. Okay. Close. That, that's, that's one of the reasons, because this, this is all confusing stuff. The world's very, uh, infatuated with it, because in the Bible, the the, the Ark of the Covenant, had it seemed to have power, you know they actually carried it into battles um, on the shoulders of the priests. Uh, that one time the Philistines stole it and they stuck it in front of Dagon and Dagon fell over. I mean, but it was really you know God behind all of it. But it was just a box. <coughs> We're going to talk about exactly what this is and and what it isn't. All right, let me go forward here. All right, so first, what is it? Yeah, get comfy. We'll be here a while. Um, I should have put a picture. Here's, here's what the tabernacle is. It's a portable tent constructed by the Israelites so God can dwell, which is where we get the word tabernacle, with his people. This is the tabernacle. This is a little a little model that we use when we teach the kids, but it's you know it, it works for us too because we're big kids. but it was basically a, a tent that had hard walls on it, and it had all these coverings on it, and I had uh, very precious things inside of here. The Ark of the Covenant was in the back room here. Uh, there was an altar here, had a, a big fence around it. It was 150 foot long, so it was a pretty big, a pretty big thing. It always faced east to west, which that's significant. So it'd be this way. Wait, um, it was portable? It was portable because, um, and we'll get into all that and the reasons why. But it was a portable tent because God decided, I want to dwell with my people, so I want you to make me a house. Is basically what the tabernacle is. And uh, put all these cool things in it, so but here's what 's cool is that everything about the tabernacle is very rich in some some symbolism, symbolic stuff. It'd be like you know I mentioned house, so like if if you were to make a clubhouse, if someone said to make a clubhouse, but everything about it needs to glorify the Lord, you know every knob, every color. Everything, Then you would make it like that. And someone else looking at it might not see it. It's like, oh, okay, that's red. That is Jesus' blood. But anyway, that's what the tabernacle is. It's very symbolic. Everything about it points to the Lord. Uh, an important point here, too, is, uh, is something we don't always hear. We always hear about how Moses went to the Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments. That's all good. But he also, God gave Moses the plans for the tabernacle. At the same time. So when he came down from the mountain with the tablets, he also had the plans for the tabernacle. And that's symbolic, and we'll kind of get to that, why that was. There's a reason. Now, the tabernacle, several times, many times in the Bible, is called a shadow of the heavenly tabernacle and we'll talk about shadows here in a second because that's, that's a whole study into itself so the wilderness tabernacle is a shadow of a, another tabernacle that's in heaven so we'll talk about that so before we get in we have, have to look at a few verses here that talk about the tabernacle I'm going to flip over to Romans 15.4 I'll oh, read it, right here Now, this is a chapter where Moses, you know, he's talking about the Old Testament stuff. So he's saying, whatsoever things were written afore, were written for our learning, that through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. When he wrote Romans, there really wasn't a New Testament. So when he's saying whatsoever things were written aforetime, he's talking about the Old Testament. Just the levels at that. So everything in the Old Testament is written for our time. Now, this is a cool chapter. This is a chapter where God, or Paul, is writing about the children of Israel and all of the um, hijinks that went on whenever they left Egypt. They built the tabernacle. They're carrying it around the desert for 40 years. They're murmuring. They're doing things they shouldn't do. And he's basically saying all these things happened unto them, the children of Israel. For and samples for us and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world come so he's telling us again that the things that they went through is for your learning and benefit to help you understand things alright, so now we'll talk about shadows alright, so this is a picture I think it's New York it's a shadow so think about a shadow a shadow when light hits something, it it creates a shadow. The shadow is a, a representation of the real thing. You can't have a shadow if you don't have a real thing. Okay? So it's really interesting the way God keeps saying the tabernacle is a shadow of the real thing. There's a real tabernacle in heaven that Jesus ministers in. in. And the one that, that he had Moses build was a shadow of that real thing. So we use the word shadows quite a bit. Actually, it's used in the Bible like 70 times talking about um, when God wants us to understand something heavenly. He'll explain it physically that we kind of understand it. And that's what a shadow is. So the tabernacle is a shadow of the real thing, the one that Moses built. You guys know, follow me on that one? Mm-hmm. All right. So here's one of the verses that talk about it. In this chapter, he's talking about now that we're saved, uh, don't worry about all those Old Testament Jews that are giving you a hard time teasing you about circumcision and not not doing all the Jewy things because now you're complete in Christ. And he, he gives us this verse that, let no man therefore judge you and me, he's talking about Jews that were judging the new believers in what you eat or drink or in respect of the holy days, you know, following all those Jewish festivals or of the new moons or of the Sabbath. All those things were a shadow of things to come. And so he's telling us again that the Old Testament setup of the priesthood, the sacrifices, the tabernacle, they were merely shadows. The feasts, the holy days, the Sabbath, they were shadows of what was to come, which was Christ. So that's kind of cool. So... A little bit more here. Hebrews. Hebrews is a very cool book that really lays out the Old Testament versus the New Testament. So let me uh, let me read here a few verses in Hebrews eight. Um, now this chapter. Let me see here. He's talking about the priesthood. So let me. I'll start in verse one. Hebrews eight one. Now, of the things which we have spoken of, and, and the, he has just spoken about the Levitical priesthood and Melchizedek and some, some deep stuff there, but he's been talking about the priesthood of the Old Testament. Now, of the things which we have spoken of, this is the psalm. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. It's about Jesus. We have a high priest. Verse 2. He's a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. So here he's talking about there's a real tabernacle in heaven that Jesus is the high priest of that man didn't make. This is referencing the shadow part of it. Verse 3, For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man, Jesus, have somewhat also to offer. Uh, Let me me look down at another verse. Well, okay, verse 4. For if he were on the earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. Um, Let me skip that. Verse 5. And and these priests who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For, this is what God said, See, saith he, God, Thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. That's another verse that when he was on the mount and God gave him the Ten Commandments, God showed Moses... Either the true tabernacle or how to make the earthly tabernacle which is modeled after the true tabernacle. I kind of look at this as a baptism. You know, we all get baptized after we get saved to show our obedience to Christ. That's not the true baptism. There's seven baptisms. The one we do in the tank in here is a shadow of the true one. So, uh, because the true one is salvation but, and the Holy Spirit, but so just in that same example, this tabernacle that Moses built was just a shadow of the real one that's in heaven, and and how the salvation is going to come to man. So that's kind of what verse what that chapter is about. And I like verse five where he's talking about who serve, and that's the priests under the example shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for God said you shall make it all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount I just think that's so cool we always kind of forget about that when he comes down with the the tablets he also had the tabernacle in his head alright moving on Hebrews 9 I'm not going to read all of that because we're kind of already I'm already behind schedule um this is another chapter that really talks, comparing, talks about the old and the new and comparing the two. Uh, 9 1. Then verily, the first covenant, which is the Moses covenant, we'll talk about that in a second, had ordinances of the divine service, tabernacle service, and a worldly tabernacle. Yeah, it's bad to sneeze at church, man. You get like, <laughs> when you're at work and I sneeze, it's like, eh, no one. Cares. But man, when you're here at church, you get like, That's eh. <laughs> really cool. That's good, though. Uh, anyway, alright, so, yeah, the first covenant had ordinances of divine service. So the, the first covenant Moses had had all this stuff around it with sacrifices and everything. Hey, Rosie, how's it going? Good to see you. Um, and a worldly tabernacle, for there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick. And he talks about all the different parts of the tabernacle. Um, let me skip down here. I'm looking for, I'm looking for another verse. Okay, skip down to verse 23. This is talking about how the the heavenly tabernacle is better. Hebrews 9:23. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens, that he showed Moses, should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with much better sacrifices than thee. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. Christ didn't go to this tabernacle Moses made. Which are the figures of the true, but in heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So we talk about when Jesus, you know, had a sacrifice and he went to heaven, that was part of his ministry is going to the true tabernacle and offering the his his sacrifice for us. So anyway, I just think that's really cool. So this tabernacle we're getting ready to talk about is just a shadow of the real one. Uh let me go forward. This is one of my favorite little books. I've had this for a while. J. Vernon McKee, he he says that the tabernacle is God's portrait of Christ. If God was going to paint Christ, he would do the tabernacle. It's a really good little book. All right, let's look at the words. The word tabernacle. Hebrew, O-L, used many times in our Bible. It just means a dwelling place. Tabernacle is a dwelling place. Uh, you know, we've got the Feast of Tabernacles in September that the Jews celebrate. That's where they go and live under the the little palm trees booths dwelling. The tabernacle is a dwelling; that's all it is—the place for God to live. There's seven of them in the Bible. This is cool. There are, seven there are seven tabernacles in our Bible because, as we know, God does everything by sevens. Well, first, right out of the gate, we got our wilderness tabernacle that Moses made that we're going to talk about. Solomon's temple that he made with David. That is a, ty- a tabernacle. It's called tabernacle, it's called uh, temple, many, many things. God dwelt there for a while. The rebuilt second temple with Nehemiah and Ezra. They built that temple. God lived there for a while. He dwelled there. He tabernacled with them. Christ's body was God's tabernacle for a while until He was crucified. And it actually says that. Now these verses I'll explain. That's why I put. That's why on the handout I just gave you the dump of my slides. That way I don't. It's just there it is. Now that we're saved, once you accept Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells you, you are the tabernacle. That's number five. There's a rebuilt tabernacle that's coming. The third temple, which we'll talk about that in a few weeks. That's in Daniel 7 and 9. And then number seven, there's the real tabernacle that I've been talking about. That these are shadows of. Well, except Christ, that's, that's the real one. So those are the seven tabernacles in our Bible. So, And what what makes it a little confusing, if you get on the internet... I start doing searches for tabernacle. You're going to get results in all these different ones because uh, you have to be very specific if you're looking for like Moses' tabernacle or, or something else. But uh, And then a lot of preachers don't understand that there's seven. and They get it all messed up, so it's all weird anyway. But, so there's seven tabernacles in our Bible. And we're going to talk about the first one. All right, so what is it again? This is the same slide. It's just a portable tent. For God to dwell in. Um, It's a shadow of the real one. Has many names. This adds to the confusion. These are all the different names of the tabernacle. Of the tabernacle number one that we're talking about. Moses' tabernacle. It's called the tent. Tabernacle congregation. All these different names. House of the Lord. Temple of the Lord. It's called the temple sometimes. Which is interesting because we're waiting on the third temple to be built, but the temple could be a tent, because it was in the old testament. This is the part where Samuel um let the light go out in the temple, which is actually the tabernacle. Who is this? So those are, those are it. Many names, one tabernacle. Alright. Now we start getting deep. No. Why now is what I was kind of putting putting up here on the slide. Why now is the tabernacle come to be? Well, here's here's, looking at the Bible timeline. This gets into um, a study called dispensations, which gets touched on in D two. I don't. I wasn't going to go real deep into it here, but. Basically, God dispenses grace differently throughout the ages. We're in the age of grace now, church age. You know, Noah got saved differently than we did. Adam got saved differently than Noah, differently than Adam, differently than Abraham. We all got saved a little different. We all have the same grace. That's kind of where dispensations come in. So here's, here's how it lays out. In the beginning with Adam and Eve, God lived with them in the garden. Everything was cool until they sinned. God can't be around sin. He boots them out of the garden. God doesn't dwell with man anymore. So he kind of goes back up to heaven, I guess, for lack of a better term. Well, meanwhile, we got the book of Genesis comes out, you know, Babel and Abraham, the children of Israel go into slavery in Egypt. And all this time, God is speaking to man, to Abraham and Jacob and all of them, but God isn't living with them. Does that make sense? That's key to the thing. He's not living with them. So he's forging a people. He's making a nation right now. God is. So he's got the children of Israel. They're in Egypt. They're serving. making bricks for Pharaoh. Moses is born. Chapter 12 of Exodus, we have the Passover where God's getting ready to take them out of Egypt and parting the Red Sea. And then they get out of Egypt. And within a few days of being out of Egypt, they're at Mount Sinai. And God decides, now is the time that I want to dwell with my people again. It's all right. So now is when God is going to come down and set up a an agreement with Moses, a covenant we call it. Uh, on the conditions for God to dwell, to tabernacle with them. That's why it's now. That's why the tabernacle couldn't have been in really any other time, because there wasn't a people yet. Mm -hmm. Now there's a people. There's a couple million people, probably, here at Mount Sinai. There's a lot of them. So now, knowing that, or now we've said that, this is kind of a high-level breakdown of the book of Exodus and, and how the tabernacle fits in. So the first 12 chapters or so, 12 or 13 chapters, that's getting the children of Israel out of Egypt. Chapter 12 is the Passover. Um, chapter 19 is a, a very pivotal chapter in our Bibles. I mean, I mean, my whole chapter 19 is highlighted yellow. That is the start of the Mosaic Covenant. What's a covenant? A covenant is an agreement. That's all it is. There's about seven or eight of them in, in our Bibles where God comes to man and says, I want to make an agreement with you. Will you enter into that agreement? And and man says, Yes. You know, Adam did it, Abraham did it. Moses did it. Moses goes to the mountain, Sinai. God says, I want to dwell with my people again. I'm going to give you my laws. Will you be my people? Will you obey? Moses takes that message to the people, children of Israel... They say yes. You will be our God. We'll, we will be your people. That's in chapter 19. That's big. That's the start of the Mosaic Covenant, and God holds them to that through the rest of the Old Testament, like all those kings. You know, the Jeremiah that we or Job that we just finished. Well, no, Jeremiah. We finished earlier. When the people start serving other gods and getting into idolatry, you're know, like Dan. I talked about Dan a few weeks ago. They're breaking the Mosaic covenant. You know, God took that serious, and he eventually left. So, chapter nineteen is a big one. That's where they enter into an agreement with Moses with God that that we want you to dwell with us. We'll be your people. You be our God. So he gets the Ten Commandments verbally first. In chapter 20, uh, then God gives him a bunch of civil and judicial laws about slaves and such. Well, chapter 24, Moses gets the first tablets and the plans for the tabernacle. God says, okay, we're going to do it. You're going to make me a house. This is where I'm going to live with you. So Moses tells the people about it. Uh, when he comes down is when they have the golden calf. So right out of the gate, they're already breaking the covenant they set this golden calf up. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Moses has to get a second set of tablets. Uh, chapter thirty-five is where the uh, tabernacle material building starts, and they start building it all through the rest of the book. And that's where it, it gets really hard to read. Uh, it's hard to read all that all that stuff. So, what's interesting is when he gives Moses the law, the Ten Commandments. He also gives them, knowing that they can't keep the law, the escape plan, which is the tabernacle. It really it shows the, the very loving God that here's what I expect from you if I'm going to live with you. But no, you can't do it. So I'm going to give you this tabernacle and this this Levitical priesthood and these sacrifices, sacrificial system that the blood will be shed to cover your shortcomings. So it's like he, he gave us two things on the Mount Sinai. But we always just hear about the Ten Commandments, but he gave us both sides of the coin. Here's the law, here's because you can't keep it. So I think that's cool. So that's why they had the tabernacle. And then the book of Leviticus is nothing more than the uh, the user manual how to run this thing, day-to-day operations of it, how all the sacrifices work, how the priesthood looks, all that kind of stuff. So, Pretty simple. Any questions so far? I was kind of deep, a little deep. Everybody tracking with me? So you feel like the, the part in the Old Testament where you we're not to work on the Sabbath day or you'll be cursed to better... You feel like that to us? No, not anymore. That was part of the old that's part of the old uh, no, testament. That's a big one that mm-hmm. sometimes you Yeah, the seven day adventists, adventists run with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Jesus says there is no more Sabbath. Sabbath was for was for man and in God and that's that covenant is gone. The third commandment doesn't exist. Come again? The third commandment is no longer in effect? Which one's the third? Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Oh yeah, we're not well. Yeah, Sabbath, but we don't practice Sabbath on a Saturday anymore. We're not required to. We're not part of that. All right. So, oh wait, I didn't go through that one. But we meet just what? Through Sunday as our Sabbath. Yeah, we meet on the first day of the week. That's what Paul and, the, and that's that's when they were commanded to meet on the first, which is Sunday. Yeah. All right, so what's the purpose again? Now, this is another key thing, different than the temple. The, The tabernacle was requested by God. He asked for it. He needed a place to live among his people. And this is God speaking, let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. A little different than what David and Solomon did, God didn't necessarily ask for the temple. They built it, and you know they had his approval when he lived there. And they made it bigger, better, longer. I mean, it was just huge, the temple was. But the tabernacle was very modest, the, the one that God asked for. It was very humble and modest. Um, so anyway, God asked for it. Uh, we needed it to kind of organize the people. And, and, and importantly, it was a visible symbol of God's presence with them. I mean, the other nations would see this thing out in the desert. I think that God lives there. There's, this is the pillar of fire at night and it's got smoke going all day long. I mean, it was obvious God was living there. And he was really, uh, the, the tabernacle really shows the coming plan of redemption that he's working on with, with Jesus. So those are kind of the, some of the purposes for the tabernacle. Um, foreshadowed... Uh, oh, yeah, there's another good point with it. You know, God dwelling with His people it's foreshadowing what He's going to do with us. Because, you know, you've probably heard the saying in the, in the Old Testament with this tabernacle, if you wanted a relationship with God, you had to go to the tabernacle. God was in the tabernacle, so people went to the tabernacle. Well, nowadays, God is in us, so the people go out. So, so since he has tabernacling in us, we take God out to the to the world. So it's kind of done a flip. So it's kind of neat. And then the sacrificial system, and become a tutor. Um, basically, that's the the uh, sacrificial system that you're going to get going. Uh, yeah this, this is kind of interesting in, our, in Genesis there's only a couple chapters two chapters that really talk about the creation account but we've got over 50 chapters that talk about this thing so this is much more important to God that we understand this than the creation account uh, I think it's cool that every kingdom in nature is part of it animal, vegetable, mineral like we learn about in school it's all in the tabernacle he, he has room for everything um And time was not ready for God's plan of salvation. It was in stages, starting with the tabernacle. So, kind of self-explanatory. Shows the unquestionable authority of God. I'll probably get to that later. So, uh, started up. So we we said so they weren't ready for salvation. That was like the working up to the tabernacle. It was yes, yes, the tabernacle. Was like he's laying the, the the foundation for a coming Savior, okay. with the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things about it. Um, go forward here, I'm trying to skip through some of these I'm behind. Oh yeah, how much was it? All right, yeah, this is cool too to think about because they were they had been slaves. They they were freshly out of Egypt. They'd only been out of Egypt for like a month. Whenever God asked them to build this thing, it was very expensive. A lot of gold in it, silver, brass, fine linens, a lot of stuff that he asked for the people. And and there's a whole list given in in, in Exodus uh, 35, I think it is, Um, that allowed the Israelites to give back. And it's just like us. Our salvation is free, but to really have a relationship with God is going to cost you something. You know, it may cost you friends. It may cost you a job. I hear some... I heard feedback. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm hearing things up here. Uh, so, yeah, our salvation is free. But serving the Lord and and having a relationship with Him will cost you something. Just like it did with the tabernacle here. Uh, God saved them. They got through the Red Sea. God did all the hard work. But now, to have a relationship, they need to give back. Uh, god didn 't just miraculously you know go look behind that mountain there 's all the stuff you 're going to need to build my house. He could have done that, but he didn 't He asked them to all contribute individually and um, and and it didn't matter. I mean, they had all been slaves. But what's interesting to think about is some of the people obviously had gold. Because I don't know if they looted the Egypt. Well, they did. They looted the Egyptians. But some of the people had gold. Some of the people maybe maybe only had uh, spices. You know, they didn't have much. But they could contribute some of their spice rack to help make the incense in the tabernacle. So there was something for everybody to give, rich and poor and they brought uh, exceedingly great so Moses had to tell them to stop giving that's in Exodus 36 all right uh, god is a micromanager of it every detail he took care of and that's why it's kind of hard to read through when we're reading through the last part of exodus it's like wow this is detailed stuff cubits and 3 cubits and 8 cubits to there very detailed Took them about a year to make it, this thing, so it wasn't trivial. Took them about a year to make it, and uh, God gave wisdom, and it tells us that in Exodus 36 that God actually gave wisdom to some of these craftsmen on how to do this uh, intricate work, this gold work. And then another note. <clears throat> It never needed refurbished or repaired. They used it for like 350-ish years until they had the temple carrying this thing around the desert. Yeah, there's a verse in Psalms that talks about how the children of Israel, their clothes never wore out. You know, all that 40 years walking through the desert? It's kind of the same here with the tabernacle. That's wild. Stuff didn't wear out. I mean, when God's in it, it just doesn't wear out. So it didn't wear out. I didn't have any trouble with any of it. Mm -hmm. Because you would look like even the ropes here, right? Yeah. It's just made out of goat hair. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. There's there's no... So, Jim, did anyone ever try to steal from it? Oh, They did. Yeah, actually when it got looted, uh, not this, the temple. Anytime the Jerusalem got sacked, this was always a prize to loot. Uh, the stuff. Cause the, the contents of the tabernacle get put into the temple with David. And that stuff got looted. Uh, I got some pictures of some of that. Alright, so anyway, it never needed refurbished or repaired. It was always perfect. Just like, uh, the way God does it. The camp. You know, this thing was, uh, God, God had this to be in the center of their camp. You know, there was a couple million Israelites. It would actually face this way. There were a couple million Israelites camped around this thing. And God wanted this in the middle. And then He was very specific about which tribes camp on the different sides around this thing. So you know, that's where we get our decently in, in order type phrasing because uh, God was very particular how this thing was. Um, Ten square miles, Israelites all the way around it. Um, yeah, Numbers is a cool book that talks about them moving this thing around. but I'm not going to get into that. But that's what it would have looked like. If you were an enemy looking down on the camp of Israel... That's what you would have seen. You'd have seen this this weird tent thing in the middle with smoke and fire. Looks like a cross, does it? These are the Levites, and Brian's got it right. It's a cross. God said, "I want these tribes here." And when you look at the numbers of the tribes, it makes it a balanced cross. So God knew what He was doing when He said, "I want you know Judah, Issachar, and Nebuchadnezzar." So they know which where they were supposed to be. Is that what Moses... Uh, the, yeah, it's, it's it's laid out in the book of Numbers. They actually do a census of the people. And God says, I want you to line up this way. that whenever they would, you know, like a mash unit, whenever they would pack up and move, that actually they would stay here until God would move His fire or smoke... And then they would just follow it. They would pack up camp, and there was a specific order on how to pack this thing up. They didn't just throw it in a in bags or a pod unit or whatever. Uh, it was very orderly. Certain people had certain tasks, and they would move out, and the tribes would follow in a specific order. So it's it's really cool. So then you think about when they went into like in Joshua when they went in and took Jericho. You know, the the Ark of the Covenant would be leading with the Levites and I mean this was a whole procession of people, very orderly, very cool. That's all laid out in, in numbers. It starts in numbers two. But yeah, it's a big cross. That's really neat. 100 square miles and a million people? No, uh, it's about 10. They say it's about 10 square miles. That just seems like it would be chaos with that many people. I know. It's, you know, trying to organize that many people to do yes. this. Yes. So weren't people very intimidated when they've seen this coming? Yeah, the enemy, I'm sure they were. I would think that would be that would be fearful to see something so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Brian, one of Brian's phrases, we've all heard Brian talk about decently and in, in order. Mm-hmm you know that's uh, that's what God does things and that's uh, you know this is an example yet another example of how it's, it's in order and so you know if you kind of look now at Christianity in America there's a lot of stuff that is not decently in order it's chaos mm-hmm. and you can kind of figure well God's probably not in it because that's not decently and in order so you anyway, know, that's why I like to look at that all right, next. Yes, yeah, again, uh, they were always in God's presence, and this is really cool. Uh, you know, he had the, the fire, the smoke in the fire, and the fire at night, smoke in the day. Um, they were always under his leading. They always had a light to their feet with God's presence with them. And when the smoke and fire moved, they moved out. So that's, that's really cool. Next slide. Now, the priesthood. This gets into a whole rabbit trail that we're not going to go down now. But Something else he sets up, uh, God sets up at this time, is the priesthood. Somebody's got to take care of this thing. Somebody's got to do all the sacrifices and and all the stuff. So I thought I would just kind of at a high level talk about the priesthood. Remember Moses' brother Aaron. He was kind of the first high priest. Okay. Uh, he was also a Levite. So God basically said, I want the Levite family. Let me, uh, let me just go forward here one slide. You guys remember this slide from a few weeks ago. You got Jacob. His name has changed to Israel. These are the 12 children of Israel. Last time we talked about Dan, how they were the idolaters. Well, Levi are chosen to be the tribe of people from now on. people that come from this dude, Levi, they will take care of this tabernacle. And there's a reason why, and we'll get to that in a second. So the Levites are going to take care of the tabernacle. Within the Levites, you've got the direct... Descendants of Aaron, they are the high priests. So you've got Levites, see, not every Levite is a priest. If you're a Levite male, you're good looking, you're between 30 and 50. And by good looking, I mean you, there's no blemishes. God lays it out in the book of Leviticus. I want the males that are between 30 and 50 that have these qualifications to be priests. Alright? If you're a son of Aaron, direct descendant of Aaron, then you're in line to be a high priest. But there's only one of those at a time. So... Levites, priests, and high priests. These are the guys that took care of the tabernacle. So on the daily goings-on in the tabernacle, the Levites might be the guy that chops wood, keeps the wood you know, stoked. Uh, maybe the, he, does, he does kind of the, the, the minor thing. The priests are the guys that did the sacrificing, that actually could go into this little middle section here and do cool stuff. And then the high priest, the one and only high priest, he's the one that could go all the way in the inside where the Ark of the Covenant's at once a year. That guy. Well, of course, we all know that we are called priests. So we're, we're in here and Jesus is our high priest. So this is all symbolism. So that's kind of how the priesthood laid out. So the Levites are like the cleaning people, maybe. They are. They're they're in the right family, but they take care of the tabernacle. They help move it. And you know, it's very structured on how this thing's moves. But I wasn't cute, though. I'm not a man. Well, you had to be a male to be a priest. Yeah, Brian. If only a Levite can be a priest, then how can a Gentile be a priest? I don't know of a Gentile priest. Said we're priests. Well, we're we're we're, in the, house, we're, we're in the New Testament now. This we're not under this. Old Testament. This is Old Testament. We're not under this priesthood anymore. Okay. This is like A shadow of things uh, to come. Exactly, it's the shadow. This is uh, this is what God told Moses. This is how I want to run this uh, tabernacle. Okay. No, that's good though. So we're under the blood his blood that, he did it. it's a that makes us Israel but not Levite well we're, from, we're called priests now alright so the priesthood and this is kind of what I said at a, at a high level the, they're chosen to be ministers now here's why they got chose I'll just tell you but, uh, and remember the whole incident when Moses went to the mountain he comes down got the tablets and they're down here partying with the golden calf they already forgot about Moses and they're building an idol You know, he breaks the tablets, uh, gets mad at Israel, the children of Israel. And then Moses said, who is really going to stand with me for God? The tribe of Levi is the only tribe that said, we will honor that Mosaic covenant that we just made a few days ago. And we're going to stand with God. So God said, okay, you guys will be the stewards of this thing when it comes time. That's why they were chosen it's it's interesting that that he because you know God would know like that they're already going to choose to be, stand with him right but it's interesting that he asked them yeah yeah to, like you know saying yeah we will it's and just that. like he does with us yeah right. just like he does with us he knows what we're going to do tomorrow then uh, every day of a year, you're exactly right. They didn't stand with him though. He list, God listed out hundreds of years worth of fouls that they committed and then well, at this the time, them through Jeremiah. At this time, when this is getting set up, they had stood with him at, at the golden calf. He didn't make it until Moses got down the mountain and there were ten temptations in the wilderness. Read the verse, man. Read, read 32.26. That's all I got to say. When this was set up, God chose the Levites because they stood with him when the other tribes didn't. All right, so now here's some of the other functions, some of the other Levites. If you weren't a priest um, and you weren't part of Aaron's family, where you're a high priest and line to be a high priest, You were just you were just a priest, you you were a Levite from another family, And, and each of the Levite families had tasks. So like these guys, the sons of Gershon, they were given wagons, and they were responsible for moving parts of the tabernacle. You know, and it lists there's a lot more than this. I just kind of just for simplicity's sake. This is what they were told to move. So you guys move when it comes time to move camp, this this group of Levites moves this. This group of Levites, they used their wagons. They moved more boards and beams and this and that. This is a cool outfit. These guys, they didn't get any kind of carts or wagons. They were tasked with carrying everything on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, a lot of the tabernacle components had staves; they called it, where they carried on their shoulders. So when you're reading, like the Book of Joshua, and they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant through, it's these guys, the sons of Kohath. So that's what they did; they helped pack it. All right, and that's again what it looks like, high level. Kind of what this is here? You got a gate in the front an altar we're going to talk about some of these pieces as we go and then there's the actual tent um, all right the tabernacle colors these are the prominent colors that, that God asked them to to use uh, gold blue scarlet purple and white um, and this is what the colors represent and like I say this is on your in your handout the, the slide um, these, these colors show up in everything God does in here. And knowing what the colors mean help kind of explain, you know, what God's trying, what message He's trying to give us. And we'll talk about that as we get to the coverings. Uh, here's some of the materials they used. They actually, this is what God asked them to, to bring. Uh, they, some of them had gold, silver, and brass. A lot of cloth. And they would dye some of it different colors. Ram skins, badger skins, olive oil is an interesting one because he asked specifically asked the people to always supply the olive oil. Um, that wasn't a priestly thing. So the people would supply the olive oil, pure and beaten, uh, spices for the incense, the precious stones were used in the, uh, high priest's uniform outfit. And then chittam wood. Uh, is what they use. when we teach the kids. Man, they just love it. They all want to talk about shittim wood. <laughs> you know, just any excuse. Uh, but the shittim wood in our Bible, this this word's used quite a bit. Everything about the tabernacle is made out of shittim wood, <laughs> uh, which which we believe is the acacia tree, which is this guy here. Uh, it's a tree that grew wild throughout the desert. Uh, common. Uh, slow growing, drought resistant, had a lot of good qualities, sap people use for medicine, camels love the leaves. If the nomads or the Bedouins or whoever seen the, the acacia, then they would know there's water source here. Find the living water. And interestingly enough, it's one of the thorned trees in Israel. So a lot of people believe that the crown of thorns that Jesus wore could have been from the acacia tree, which would make sense because everything about this represents Jesus, and it's all made of shittim wood, the acacia wood, the Ark of the Covenant. So it just kind of all makes sense. It's very neat. seems like it would be hard to handle then with, you know. Yeah. Yeah. With all that, yeah. It's like a hedge. I don't know if you guys have ever done hedge trees and yeah. I hate those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah getting right. one of those trying to do all those things. Um, there's a materials list. I think I'm gonna have to wind it up here, but um, this is again the list that, that that God asked for and this is the meanings of those things. Um Man, I'm going to have to adjust my things. Uh, Gold, obviously, is the kingly riches, uh, divine glory. Silver is redemption. And and what's interesting, too, these these meanings of these items are consistent throughout our whole Bible. You know, like in our Bible, certain words, you know, clouds, iron. I mean, there's all these different key words that always mean the same thing, no matter if you're in the Old Testament or New Testament uh the only exception i think is the sons of god it means something different in the old and the new but other than that they all mean the same thing all through our bible so once you kind of get these down like in the tabernacle that then when you're reading about other things it just it makes sense um, i think we'll go through those more next week we'll end on this slide because i'm at i'm at i'm out of time So, and we'll pick up there next week. So, hopefully, this isn't too boring. I think next week we won't we won't do all the intro stuff, talking about shadows and things. We'll just get right into the the stuff. Um, Is there anything any questions? Like I say, I don't know all all of it. I just this is what I've found through reading, and I've studied it for quite a few years. Nothing. All right. Well, thanks for for that. Uh, hopefully, it wasn't too boring. Tabernacle mm-hmm. can be kind of dry. Mm-hmm. Huh? Very yeah. Well, hope so. The kids, the kids love it. I don't know why, but the kids. I think they just love the model. <laughs> hey, I'm a kid at heart. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. They, they love talking about the shit of wood. So, all right. Uh, Brian, here to pray. Yeah. Sure. Father God we just thank you for this day Father we just thank you for an opportunity to, uh, to come here and learn about the things like your tabernacle Father and just get into your word and break it down and, uh, Father we do, we do want to thank you for just being a God that uh, chose to dwell with us that wants to dwell with us Father and, and have a personal yes. relationship with us Father we thank you for uh, Jesus Christ and uh, the, the sacrifice that uh, that, he, that he had did on the cross Father so we could have uh, your spirit Father, Father dwell us which makes a it uh, just makes things a lot easier and let, makes life possible, Father. We just thank you and love you and pray you, this Jesus' you. All, right. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, very good. All, right. All righty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah make no handouts. All right, cool. Yeah. I'm not <inaudible> yeah. uh, <inaudible>